You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. Coming at you live. Turn your speakers up to the Forging Fury. Forging, Forging Fury. Fury podcast. Hola, bienvenidos a mi podcast. Esta un podcast bilingual. <laughs> What's going on, sweet people? This is Coach Riley, and on today's episode of the Forging Fury podcast, alongside my friend, Michael Gray, we have one of Michael's really close friends, Brent Hodges. What's going on, Brent? How are you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have him on. Ever since we started this podcast, when I when I think of people who drop knowledge bombs on me all the time, I think of my good friend, Brent, because we, we get together you know, once every month, maybe once every two months, just to sit and talk and shoot the breeze and we talk about all things in life so what's funny is brent walked in the door and we just started talking and we like we, it was just a conversation was flowing we're like let's get out the microphones before this gets any better <laughs> yeah you can see how easy it is huh yes yeah. yes so i had so we had to have him on for various reasons but uh brent thanks for joining us before we get rolling i want to talk about how we are once again recording at our azopt studios in yes. goodyear Shout out to those guys for letting us yeah, come in here. Shout out to Ryan and Terry Roberts, man. You guys are heaven sent. Yeah, if you guys are looking for any sort of physical therapy in the Phoenix area, they've got locations all over the valley. Make, make sure you uh, check them out. AZOPT.net is their website. Thanks, good, guys. Good people for sure. All right, Brent. So <laughs> let's dive where in. do we start? That's, that's always the hard thing with a good friend. Um, let's start with um, your involvement with the city of Goodyear. You're part of the Goodyear baseball league talk sure. about your position and kind of what you do there and we'll we'll expand from that well i guess what qualified me was i guess just having kids right and we uh as a former baseball player getting a chance to uh get your kids into sports you grew up playing it's a lot of fun so got our kids in baseball and one year in particular was a little busy and so i decided you know what i'm not i'm gonna not coach this year mm. and i'm just gonna be a dad and um it's no big deal when they come home if i see anything we can talk through it um, and really what, what I left, uh, having a conversation with my wife, actually, I was just like, you know what I, what I miss here is these kids. It's not that I can't have a conversation with my own son when he comes home, but there are a lot of kids and you could tell these were dads who had the best interest of these young, young kids in mind trying to teach them the sport, but you could tell they didn't really understand it. No fault of their own. Um, and I was, I told my wife, I'm like, I'm not disappointed in our kids. I can have that conversation but these other kids are going home and I don't know if they're getting that opportunity with their parents. So basically conversation with my wife, she's like, well, you know, you have a skill set, you can help with that. And I was like, well, I really just wanted you to listen because I was kind of <laughs> complaining and you didn't have to tell me I could do something. I just let me complain. And she, but when she did that, I was like, all right, this will be the last year I take off from that. And then from there, just started coaching at the little league level and then got an invitation apparently from not being a horrible person. I don't know. I don't know what qualified me, but they invited me to be part of the board and so I had a chance to do that for the last several years. So Okay, talk about your baseball history. You do have a history in sure. playing baseball. Talk, talk about that a little bit so people can understand why, uh, why this fits your skill set real well. Sure. Well, uh, I, I was that kid that grew up playing and just loved the sport, but wasn't... Uh, I wouldn't call myself an all-star, but I loved it. And um, around 12, 13, that's when some skills started to come together. Before that, I just played it and went home while the all-stars went and did their thing, right? Um, but I, it, what it did in me was develop a really good work ethic because I really enjoyed the game. Loved practice probably as much as the games. And so by the time I hit 14, I started to notice, oh, and other people started to notice, oh, you've, you've got a skill set here. Went to high school and uh, in high school just played, had a great time playing. Was always kind of like just barely getting 
onto teams mm. in, in many ways, especially like varsity and stuff like that. Um, but I just kept working, kept working, fell in love with the weight room. Mm. And that's where it was really kind of a, a difference maker for me. I started putting on some muscle and that translated to play on the field. How was uh, the strength and conditioning at your high school when you were doing this work? Was it good, bad? Well, you I'm know, always interested in sure, weights. Sure, yeah, you know, back then was that late 90s, so it's been a little while. But. <laughs> well, when I was in high school, the only people that lifted were your football players. Sure. So, like, I played yeah. baseball and basketball. We didn't really do lifting as right. part of our regimen. So. Yeah, and when it, so my first year I was in uh, Mississippi, and they had a pretty intense program like they had clubs like you know the 300 club 500 club these things that you hear of nowadays is kind of normal but back then it was a little unique and so that was the introduction to it I would say and then coming out here they hired a guy who actually was a strength and conditioning coach from a college to come to our high school and that just changed everything That's he, a game changer. He, yeah he got us into programming and so at that point it wasn't just going and do some you know, oh, I sweat a little bit. I got a good workout. And it was like pyramid bench, yes, triceps. I mean, that's what that, no, yep. that's what, I mean, I loved my high school to death, love my coaches, but like, that was what we were missing a lot of is sure. structured. Like we did the same yep. program. So the four years I was there, we did the same program every yep. time. And what's funny is that we usually got the same results. Right. Is that with now today's age, like that can be a big difference with, with development of even athletes. Like if yep. I, I think that if I had a really great strength and conditioning program and like, mm -hmm. I mean, the skills were there, like they were great coaches of the sport, but like sure. strength itself, like you need someone just to uh, like hone in on that. Yeah. And it's, it's important now. I mean, mm -hmm. the kids are just getting stronger and bigger and, yeah. and faster now. So, yeah. and, and you know, back in the day it was bigger, stronger, slower was the mm. idea. That's yeah. what they thought. And so it kept people from the weight room and they discovered, Oh no, it is bigger, stronger, faster. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, that through high school really got engaged in that actually got hurt my senior year and thought, I'm not sure if I'm going to continue. Um, it was a pretty significant injury, um, but didn't fall out of love with the game. Got a chance to go play in college, really enjoyed that. And I'd say like, same thing. It wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't think much of myself. I just worked hard. Mm. And that apparently translates. And yeah, sure. I, I got well, a, that level. Yeah, I got a random phone call one day from an area scout. I like you were talking about. I don't like talking about myself, but <laughs> he calls me and is like, you know, hey, I've been noticing things in the paper, so now I want you to come hit with me. And then lo and behold, I got to play a year professionally, which was kind of cool. What and organization then, you play with? I played in the White Sox organization nice. and their minors, and so played for a hot minute before my elbow said no more. Was it Tommy John? Nope. It was just a random weird freak. Back wow. of my elbow broke off. Wow. Yeah. Back of your elbow. <laughs> you just can't glue that back on. Yeah, they, get back on the they field. They just pulled it out and said, you know, keep going. Really? So, yeah. Oh, wow. I guess you don't need really kids. Life lesson, you don't need your elbow. No, apparently not. Well, after that, like, did you, I mean, was your swing completely different? Like, did it change a lot of mechanics or just was like the pain unreal? Yeah, uh, you know, it was, it was weird. It happened and there's, um, I was in the cage hitting, so it didn't happen throwing, which oh, wow. is just strange. So, yeah, very, very strange. And when it, it popped, I, I literally thought it was somebody behind me. Like I thought they had done something like bumped into something and I turned around there like, that was you. And I was like, oh, and me. And it didn't, cause it didn't hurt. Wow. And well. Later that night, it blew up like a balloon and ended up, you know, needing surgery and stuff like that. But uh, no big deal. It actually kind of point pointed me to where I'm at today, which well, is really at that, cool. At that point in your life, would you say that your identity was wrapped up in baseball? Like you were a baseball player? Did you, were you around different things? Or like, were sure. you completely tied to that idea of like, hey, dude, one day I'm going to play Chicago? Um, actually, no. Oh, that's um, awesome. That yeah, my, I'm trying to think. I think it may have just had something to do with having humble beginnings and never really thinking, 
really I deserved to be there. It was I, every day was like a gift is how I describe it. And I guess when that happened, um, it was more of a, okay, I kind of get the idea now that there's something different. There's a new path to walk. And I got to do something that a whole lot of people don't do. And a whole lot of people, you know, working with kids right now, there's a whole lot of people in the city of Goodyear, at least these kiddos who are loving baseball and very few of them will even have the opportunity to play in high school, let alone college, let alone get the gift of drawing a paycheck from playing a kid's game. Um, so I, I thought it was a gift. Um, and when it came to an end, I was, I was okay with it. Like I had a, that's a very rare story about yeah, that whole yeah. circle of events. Like, I mean, obviously you had the talent, you had the work sure. ethic and to have that taken from you in that way, like most people go down the, the downward sure. trajectory of the roller yep. coaster there. But yeah. dude, I mean, talk about mindset. That yeah. was a freaking home run there of mindset. Go. Wow. Was it hard, that was so bad. hard for you to have that mindset or you just kind of come by it naturally? Cause you, you do seem like the kind of guy who's like, Hey, if something doesn't work. That's, that's sure. fine that that door's closed. There's somewhere else to go. Yeah. You always seem to be that way to me. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we've had plenty of conversations over the years. I, I think part of it is just conversations. Uh, you talk a little bit, talked about before we got on here about just the way we're raised. Um, had a good conversation with my dad. I mean, even, even the injury in high school, like I, it was really close to just saying, Hey, you know, maybe it was a good run, but it's done. But I, I'm, I like to work hard. Mm. So I immediately, once I kind of got the cast off from that injury, went back to work, found out things still worked, still had the love of the game wanted to play. And when the, the elbow thing happened uh, in the professional thing, it just, like, it just got to a point where I knew per it wasn't progressing. Like I was kind of stalled out in my recovery and just really did some soul searching in that moment, had some great conversations and said, you know what? I think, I think it's time to move on. And I was very that's, content. That's I've, awesome. had, I've had people ask me in the past, you, you get beyond it. People are, you ever regret your decision? And I'm like, no, not at all. Like I, I, there's part of you that is like, what if, what if I hadn't gotten hurt? What if, but I don't regret it. Yeah. I, I, th I know it was the right decision. What do so. you think? Or like, who do you think played a big factor in creating that mindset? Like, I mean, a high school kid having mm -hmm. this good work ethic that eventually sure. got you to a collegiate level or that eventually got you to professional level. Mm -hmm. So like, what do you think, or what kind of people played an impact on that kind of creating that mindset? Oh, sure. Well, um, your parents, I think are going to be your, uh, your biggest cheerleaders, they're going to be the ones who push you the hardest. And I, I know I have an, an incredible mom and dad who, uh, to this day, uh, my dad's in his mid sixties and he's running around basketball courts around the state, refereeing state championship games. Awesome. And I mean, he's just, he's always worked hard. He, he modeled that for us. Um, just a lot of encouragement. Um, and like I said, I didn't have the natural skill set at a young age. Um, I had an older brother who is much bigger, much stronger, much faster. So it was one of those things I just had to kind of try and chase down, right? You got a big brother, you want to keep up with him. I did not have his body type. Mm. <laughs> and so it required a little bit harder work to try and keep up. Um, but I think that was beneficial in the long run. The fact that it didn't come to me naturally, but I had to work for it. And that's translated into the workforce it's yeah. it's really been a good thing to have similar oh i was gonna say as the theme we've been weaving through a lot of things like the difficulty is what refines people to make them better and we all we mm -hmm. always want to avoid difficulty all the right. time but we're avoiding the chances to sharpen ourselves and become become better people well, right. similar situation i have an older sister and like when i say my sister is one of the smartest people i ever met she's yeah. like she wants to know something she'll know it read it one time knows it all mm -hmm. me we quickly realized that I'm not the same. So my mom had these like, 
I mean, she had these high expectations. My sister, like, I mean, you got to get good grades. Like, you got to do keep up with your sister. Right. Like, you guys get all A's. Like, that was mm-hmm. the, there was no exception. So I had to try really hard at school to do right. well and to keep up with my sister. So it was just, like, ingrained with me. Is like, if you want to keep up, you got to work hard. Yeah. And, like, and, and just, uh, I mean, you talked about your parents, like, mm-hmm. setting that example. Like, my mom had three jobs growing up as a yeah. kid. So, like, there, I didn't have to go far at all to look at someone and to have an example of someone like really being hard worker, yeah. like no free time, mm-hmm. did it all for me and my mom, which I realized as a young kid, like that's huge. Like, Oh dude, she's doing this so I can get clothes and right. shoes and we can right. eat and mm-hmm. things like that. Like I always had like her as a, a prime example of always like hard, you got to work if you want something. Sure. If you want to do anything, you got to work hard and there's yep. not no handouts. So yeah, definitely mom played a huge role. Anybody, what about you, Michael? Who get, who gave you a good work ethic? Oh, you know, I, my parents, I still work on my work ethic today. <laughs> my, you know, my parents were encouraging in the same same type of way, but I had coaches and stuff along the line that, yeah. you know, uh, one of the things I wanna, want Brent to speak to is is how once you have kids of your own, you kind of alluded earlier, Some sometimes the parents are really involved, sometimes they're not. Uh, yeah. I'm finding with my own son that I'm not the best person to speak into his life on all things. Like I can still be encouraging, but he's not going to listen to me. If I'm in the CrossFit gym and I walk up next to him, he wants Peter edgy to tell him what to do. He doesn't want me to say anything to him. So that's one Mm -hmm. of the things I want to get into. So let's fast forward from, uh, you know, professional sports to now you're, you're coming around and you want to be part of the Goodyear city city league and, Mm -hmm. and speaking to kids lives that way. Let's move into that story. Sure. Um, man, I tell you what, I, there's nothing, there's no greater thing for me. Like I, I got a chance to do what I got to do, which is cool and it's awesome, but there's no greater thing for me than to see somebody that you're sharing time with, spending time with, pouring into, experience success of their own. Mm. And I know we're all going to give away credit, right? Like as a player, you're like, man, if I didn't have coaches, I mean, you hear it in interviews all the time. If it wasn't for my teammates and my coaches, I mean, there's a personal element involved, um, but humility stands out. Uh, when you know you didn't get here on your own and as a coach now to be able to say, listen, I'm going to impart what it's been a privilege to learn to you. And if you can take it further, man, there's, there's really no greater feeling for me than to see somebody like if my kids get the opportunity to do anything like I got to do, it's going to be so there, there's going to be a lot more joy in my life for that than for what I got to experience. It's like personally. giving someone the Christmas present on steroids like yep, that that's absolutely. that feeling is like you giving someone a gift and they they are just running with it like that's right. a, like the best one of the best feelings i put it in top five feelings oh, of, of like just watching no someone doubt. that you've kind of guided to a new goal or things they thought they couldn't accomplish like like that's amazing and that's the tension and conflict with being a parent because i i'm trying to do that with my kids and sometimes most days i feel like i'm failing because i'm you're not seeing it grab hold and you know he's sure. all Harrison's only 11. You know, my other kids are younger, so I'm sure I'll have to be patient with that kind of stuff, but it's a, it's a stress for me all the time as a parent because I want to pour in and, and see that success. And I'm just afraid I'm screwing that up. You know what sure. I mean? There's so, a, I mean, there's a, there's, well, I would imagine, cause I don't have kids that there's a, there's gotta be a healthy balance there. And then maybe Brent can speak sure. on that a little bit more. Yeah. I, I so I, I'll be honest and tell you, I've failed miserably <laughs> in the past. Um, you know, my oldest son actually, um, he's the kid who he, he's really good at Fortnite. He's really good at apex. <laughs> he, he'd like to just kind of chase after those things. And it's, dude, those are getting pretty serious winnings now. Man. Yeah, I might consider uh, my training my hey, kid for video games. It may be another conversation for another day, but we may be on the, 
the verge of those becoming legitimate. I have that on my list. Features, oh, yeah. But, um, what video games? Yeah, yeah. that's oh, wow. it's, it's pretty fascinating. But um, I, I don't think it's a waste of time by any means. But I would love to see them do something physical mm. in nature, and that's not that's definitely stretching mine, fine motor skills. But I need you to use some gross motor, um, and for. For Mason, who's my oldest, Cash uh, is right underneath him. So, and then I've I've got four. I've got a lot of children. We, oh, wow. My wife and I is pretty awesome. But, <laughs> um, uh, but Mason, it, man, there's no bigger regret than seeing him go through a season that he didn't really enjoy, and I didn't really get to have influence in that. I did fr- from the father perspective, but not from the coach perspective. But mm-hmm. I would be the first to tell you, I have failed miserably as a coach. I have got lost my frustration. I've let my competitiveness come out when there's coaching that's needed. And so I think a part of that is just putting yourself in position to learn. And as you learn, you're going to get better. Uh, I think this last year was a great example of learning from my past Mm. and the mistakes I've made in in coaching, that it was a really positive experience. Um, Just overwhelming from hearing from parents, hearing from the players, uh, hearing from your own son, you know, from your wife, uh, <laughs> those, those, they're going to speak into your life mm-hmm. and they're going to let you know how you're doing. And, uh, yeah, when you get good feedback, it helps when you get oh, yeah. negative feedback. I listen more. The, the power <laughs> of positive feedback to me is like, great. Just tell sure. me like every once in a while, Hey, you did a really good job. Like right. for that, me dude, I'll run through a wall. You tell me mm-hmm. I did a good job long yeah. enough. Like I love yeah. positive feedback and it just works for me. And some people don't operate like that. Like you yeah. can never tell them a good job and they're still going to do that. But yeah. I don't think we ever as humans should underestimate just saying, Hey man, you know, you, you did great. Like, you did awesome. Like that yeah. was a great job for me. I'll be like, Dude, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah. like matters who it comes from, like from sure. a coach or for even from a parent. Like my parents to this day told me I did a good job. I'd be like, dude, that's amazing. Yep. Yep. Fills you keeps, up. Oh, it really does. Going. Yeah. So positive feedback is always good. Absolutely. But do you think it's just as important to give your kids like they say constructive criticism sure. or like negative feedback? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, there's, there's power in all forms of feedback. Yep. Um, whoever's receiving the feedback, um, is going, you got to know who you're giving feedback to. And I think that's one of the, uh, the tricks in parenting, right? I've got four kids. None of them are the same. They don't respond the same. Um, I have one daughter. Uh, I don't really have to be all that difficult on my daughter. She wants to, she's very much like her, like she's just like her mom. It's like a carbon copy. It's pretty awesome. Except you know, that can frustrate you too. Oh yeah. <laughs> you got two. If we're being honest on this podcast, but, um, but one of the things that's beautiful about it with her is I don't really have to say much. If I just look at her with any level of disappointment, she's crushed. Oh gosh. And so <laughs> I know that I, look. I, I try to, look. I try to be very careful with that, but yeah. there are times there's times she needs to understand that what she's doing is wrong in the same way my boys do. I just approach it different. I mean, I have a different tone. Uh, oh yeah, use, dude. Use you get that parental words. tone or that parental <laughs> look and it will crumble. Like sure. you'll, you're just like, Oh no, I've done something. That's awful. Yeah. Um, I think it's important. And just like, you've got like a team of people. I kind of manage a little bit more than kids, but like sure. knowing that, and we've talked about this on this podcast before of like how everyone receives that feedback. And if you're doing the same type of feedback and it's not working, you got to change it. Like sure. you can't keep using the same tools for the different job. Right. Like, and even me personally, like it sometimes it hits and then sometimes it doesn't like I've got to now find a way to convey to this human that what we want, like how are we going to get there? You and I together instead of just like, well, this worked once. 
or I'll just keep using the same type of motivation for everyone or the same type of like uh, discipline. Like even, sure. even how you discipline someone can be a little bit different and, and get different results. And yet you always tell me just to believe in myself. It's not working <laughs> for me, man. Find really? another tactic. Oh, okay. Do yeah. you want me to like light your eyebrows on fire Do or something? It. I don't care. <laughs> I like all kinds of feedback too. So. Well, I mean, as much as I love, I, I mean, I would love to talk about some of the coaches I had in high school, maybe some of sure. the coaches you had, but like some of my best coaches were like that. Very aggressive for like, get it done or there will be consequences, which like sometimes yeah. that's great. Like sometimes that works, but yeah. now I think maybe, I don't know. It's just, you never know what works for different it's people. probably a mix of things that'll yeah, work. He for, was also oh, military, yeah. so I probably responded pretty well to that. There that's, you go. Yeah. So when you're interacting a lot with parents now as sure. a coach of, of other people's kids, and I know that you, you alluded to this before, dads want to be involved in their kids' mm-hmm. sports. Um, what are some positive things you're seeing in – I don't want to say just dads. Mom, mom, moms want to be involved too. But what are sure. some positive things you're seeing in youth sports community, and what are some negative things that maybe parents don't see that they're doing? I mean, obviously, if you got a, oh, a parent yelling, yelling at <laughs> their kids saying "you suck," question, you know that kind of yeah. stuff. You that's can bad. see the look in Brent's eyes right now. He's yeah. like, "Where do I start?" Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's so much to say about this. Let's I not mean, name names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, we'll bleep it if you have to. <laughs> I, you know, one of the one of the biggest things kind of you were alluding to how people receive feedback. Um, our kids take note of everything. Kids take note of everything. You know, we, we all grew up, right. Do as I say, not what I do. That doesn't work. I mean, it just Mm -hmm. doesn't work. And kids are watching. Um, they're watching the way you respond to authority and in your child's life, your coach is an authority figure. And so are the officials on the field. (laughs) And so are anybody who's trying to help um, around concessions folks Mm. who are serving and volunteering their time. And kids notice the way you treat people. Kids notice the way you treat your server at the restaurant. They're going to notice the way um, if it, if it's somebody's behavior will influence your generosity. um, It's, it gets deep. That's so but interesting. It's like if you're a generous person, uh, I, and, and I understand sometimes people's actions affect us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to be a generous person by nature. So therefore, regardless of the service I receive at the restaurant, I want to be generous in my tipping. Um, and if I allow your actions to influence or affect that, then really I'm just situationally generous. And in the same way, when it comes to authority on a field, if I can say, blow up an official because I don't like the call. They're watching you. And then when they question you, you're going to have to blow up at them to try to keep them in line. And they're just watching all of this this. and they're observing all of this and they don't understand (laughs) the influence uh, a that they have in your child's life. And also the influence you're losing in the way that you respond, the way that you react Um, on the positive side of things. People want to get involved. Um, I, I just think we need to be in relationship with people. Because sometimes looking into somebody else's eyes and seeing how they're receiving what I'm saying is, is a really good teacher for me. Because I don't think I'm overreacting until you look at me like I'm overreacting. And then if we <laughs> have the type of relationship, yeah. then we can talk about that. We can grow. We can get better. But I love that, uh, that term, situational generosity. Like that's mm-hmm. so... Like that's a real thing. Like sure. I've I honestly put myself right in the driver's seat of that and be yeah. like, yeah, you do that. Like mm-hmm. I do that. I'm generous based on the situation. I'm guilty as, sure. as I'll get out. But something I think my mother did a great job of, of with me and my sister is that it's just as important how you treat the janitor is, oh, is yep. how you treat the principal. Sure. 
like those two people like doesn't matter like you need to treat everyone with the same level of respect yes sir no sir like Mm -hmm. yes ma'am no ma'am like doesn't matter role or like job or don't look at that human like they're subpar because of what they're doing for for the job because i mean let's be honest janitor's job is just probably as important as as the the principal's job but no that not stature or kind of recognition affects that respect level right you got to be careful with that, though, because I've, I've always believed in that, too. And I made good friends with a lady that cleaned my classroom when I was a third grade teacher for the first time. She only spoke Romanian. Wow. She loved me, though. Like, she would come in and talk to me. I had no idea what she was saying. <laughs> she sure. brought in pictures of her son's funeral and was weeping. And I was like, I don't know what to say to this poor girl. Oh, but wow. I, I was sure. always kind to her. And she you could tell she she appreciated that. So, But she knew she was valued by you. Yes. And I, and I think... Um, kind of jumping back to the sports thing. And when it comes to what I see a lot um, that parents just don't understand is I think we give ourselves a pass, right? That although I'm not perfect, we expect the volunteer umpire behind the plate <laughs> to be perfect with his strike calls and his, his calls around the bases. Mm-hmm. And you know, what I try to do when I'm coaching is I, I teach the kids that listen, that these are humans who are calling the game. And they're going to make their mistakes just like you make a mistake. We don't field every ground ball. We don't hit every pitch that we swing at. And they're going to miss some calls, and that's okay. We need to learn how to continue to work through that. We need to learn how to process the emotions because, I mean, I was part of some situations where calls literally changed not just games but the ability to win a championship. And we all saw that last year, right, in the NFC Championship game. Oh, yeah, that and now, pass interference call. Oh, my call. goodness. And now Worst ch- call ever, by the way. Right. Well, and they changed the call, and really they haven't changed their behavior, which is but, kind, I mean, that's kind of a to, joke. But, I mean, you get that call, like, it, could, right. it changes the whole game. Absolutely. Yeah, so, sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> we don't want to go down that. Yeah. But, um, but with parents, if I could say one thing to parents, ask your child, ask your child what they want from you. When they're sitting in the stands, what do they want? Mm. Do they want you screaming at them like a crazy person? I literally <laughs> was at a soccer game the other day, and it was difficult to watch the game because there was a parent losing their mind. down, And everybody was paying attention to it. And I, and I know, I believe the best in people. So I know that this parent thought what they were doing was beneficial, probably even thought that that's what their child wanted or needed. But I bet if they talked to their child their child's probably trying to do anything but be seen in that moment. Sure. And I've talked to my own kids and I, I try to be cur- encouraging my wife. Like you, Michael knows my wife, the most positive, encouraging person on the planet. She's everyone's best friend. Oh, absolutely. Everyone that knows her loves her. Just like you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, and that that's, I'm sure you're probably going into that story. Some sure. people think that, Oh, well, I'm not going to yell at my kid. I'm just going to cheer for my right. kid. That's what they want. <laughs> but that can be equally bad. Yeah, I'll, I mean, that, this is our story. My wife is loud. She has a very loud voice. I do too. Hers is very positive. Mine can be real sometimes, you know, uh, <laughs> I stay, prefer that over negative, but, um, but she's sitting in the stands yelling for our son, just super excited for him, cheering for him as he's standing in the batter's box to hit. And I don't say anything anymore because I talked to him and I said, Hey buddy, what do you want? And he goes, nothing. You can cheer for me after I'm done. Cause I'm focused. I'm concentrated. I don't want to be distracted. So mom's out there just mom's going after. crazy, <laughs> crazy in the stands. And she was talking to me about it one day after the game. And I go, well, have you ever asked cash what he wants? And she said, well, no, because I know he wants me to scream and yell for him and he's encouraged by it. And I said, well, just ask him. 
And she asked him and Cash said, I would really like for you to be quiet <laughs> until after I hit the ball. Yeah. And then you can, then you can cheer mom. Yeah. And she does. She is so loud, and but it's floored, hard for I bet her. that floored her. Right. And it would floor Absolutely. most parents. Of course. It's kind of like, like a love language. Don't you sure. think? Like knowing how you want to be encouraged or knowing you want to. That's a great example. Yeah. Like we, we love people the way we want to be loved. We cheer for people the way we want, the way we want people to cheer for <laughs> us. But like you alluded to earlier, we all have unique personalities um, and not everything works for everybody. So get to know your kid, what works for them. Y- uh, yelling at kids in public <laughs> about how they should have caught something or swung at something or mm. come on generally isn't going to bring out the best in your kid. Well, I just remember when you first told me that story of, of Jessica cheering for, for cash, it was, I think it was in response to me being concerned because Harrison won't let me talk to him. If it's in, right. in the CrossFit class, for example, mm-hmm. if I go over and say, Hey man, if you're doing that, he doesn't want anything from me. Right. And, and that, that spoke a lot. It doesn't mean that I'm being a bad dad if I'm not being encouraging in the moment. Yeah. It means I'm Correct. speaking to him on his level. I, see, exactly. my parents, when I was in sports, are completely different too. My dad was mostly my coach playing baseball, mm-hmm. which we can get into that um, as well. But he was very like yelly, like, yeah, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. like would get at me a little bit. My mom would just sit back. Was like, he just, just that way at you or at everybody on the team? A little bit of both, but a little Probably bit more, more towards you. me. Yeah, right. like... I mean, I remember having those ride homes with dad after the game and just being like, here you go. We're going to yep. have one of yep. those talks. Like, Absolutely. Like, I mean, and I'm not saying my dad was, a, my dad was a great coach. Like, sure. I mean, good to me, but like, yeah, he, like the way that he wanted to for, like convey to me wasn't very effective for me. Right. And then I almost had like, like almost like, like this fear, anxiety, performance mm-hmm. anxiety, because like, I don't want to make dad mad. I don't sure. want dad to be upset with me or, or don't think I did my best. Like that, that parent, like you said, like your parents, we watch you, like the kids watch you. They know, like when you do something bad, like they know how you're going to react to it. If, mm-hmm. I mean, just based on history of like how things happen, yep. like my dad held me to a very high standard. And if I didn't meet that standard, then there was some like, Hey, like, that wasn't as good as we thought we were like, you know, those kind of talks, which were tough to hear as a kid. But sure. now that I'm thinking about it, like I was like, man, like maybe just if we would have handled some of those situations a little bit different, like my love for baseball maybe would have blossomed. Sure. My dad was always my coach in baseball, which mm-hmm. maybe was a mistake, maybe not. But he stopped being my coach and I stopped playing, which was like the biggest mistake. I always sure. look back because I loved baseball yeah. left handed, like as you're, when you're a kid lefty, like I was get, just getting into pitching. Yep. It's like left-handed pitcher, taller kid. Like I was like, man, if I develop these skills, like this is, this is a very, like you want a left-handed pitcher. Sure. Um, and just fell out of the game, like took one year off and then tried to play again. And everyone else got so much better than me. And I was like, right. Oh, this is dumb. I'd never want to play baseball again. So yeah, yeah that's my story of baseball. Yeah, I, I, I regret it. I regret mm-hmm. it, honestly. Um, but my dad always wanted me to be a pitcher too. Mm. Yeah. Didn't like that I loved playing first base because <laughs> well, I was a lefty. He's like, "Well, left-handed pitchers are going to be awesome, and yeah. you could be awesome." I'm like, yeah. "I hate the position. Why yeah. play it?" So. Well, I think, I th- but you guys are hitting on something that for me, um, I'm I'm just trying to be very careful because I have a reality right in front of me that I could coach my kids. I know the game. I have so you know, I, I like to believe I have so much I can offer you, but if I push too hard, I really have nothing to offer you. Mm. And so for me, it's been this delicate balance of how do I coach? How do I equip? How do I encourage? But how do I let you be you? And how do I let you define what it is that you love? If it's basketball, that's what I know. I can't help you. Yeah. Like that's where you need a coach. I mean, I might be able to teach. I was a PE teacher. I can teach you how to dribble. Mm-hmm. I can teach you the fundamentals of a shot. I don't know the game at all. And so, um, yeah, we all like 
for kids to take up what we our own kids to take up what we like, but it's also important for them to kind of forge their own path a little bit. And we got to be supportive of that and equip them to the best of our ability. And when we mess up, I think if I had a key component to my parenting, probably some people won't like this, but like for my parenting, what I, I know I'm going to mess up, mm. but when I mess up, I want to be the first person to apologize. Mess up, fess up. Yeah. I want the, our kids to see us that when I make that mistake, when I go too far, when I, you know, chew them out for something mm-hmm. that really is, may not even matter in the long run. More than that, they can see my character and coming back to them and saying, I lost my temper in the moment. I apologize. Can you forgive me? Um, and I think I'm hoping. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully well, I won't that, screw them that up That experience bad. with baseball like led me into playing basketball, which was like this new sport that I never really explored because right. I was playing like fall ball, baseball, springtime yep. baseball year round, which we can get, we oh, get into that go. later. Yeah. But I found basketball and it was like, hey, there's like, there's this whole nother game out there that I didn't know that right. I had to develop and practice and had good coaches along the way that kind of like led me to that, which was great. Like, so maybe like my dad pushing a little bit too far, just, just pushed me in another direction, which I found in love. Like sure. I'll never, never regret playing basketball right. ever. So yeah. it was, so maybe that's, that's what, how it needed yeah, to happen. Can, Yeah. And one of the things I, maybe we've gotten into this a little bit and maybe we can dive into it a little bit more is what's important for me when I'm thinking of my kids is having other people speak into their Mm -hmm. lives. Like I've got two guys standing right in front of me right now that are both influencers on all three of my kids. And I'm happy for both those things for both of you guys, because I want, I want my kids, I want to be able to know that if I can't offer my kids something they need, someone like Brent can speak into their lives. Someone like Riley, depending on what, what the situation is, if it's CrossFit, if it's baseball, if it's being a dad, all that stuff is important. And it's well, important to have people. One. <laughs> one day, maybe you won't be. Yeah, practice. Yeah, practice. <laughs> so that's, that's a great thing for me. And I'm, I'm grateful to have the two of you in my life yeah. for that reason. I don't know if he li- can't do it all. I don't know if he listens to this podcast. Maybe I'll send it to him. Uh, but my high school basketball coach, Daryl Jarvis, like we still stay in contact now back and forth. But this man, like, like now that I'm older, you realize the impact that right. certain people have on your life. And, he was for me what I needed that time in my life. And mm-hmm. it's just like, and he set those, those like, like those ground, like foundational levels of like, Hey, things are going to happen. Success is measured by how you handle adversity. And that was his mantra. Like for four years, yep. he was my coach for five summertime going into ninth grade through my college or through my starting of college. So five years, this guy played a huge role in my life. And like the what I needed the most at that time. Like, I mean, we learned how to be men from obviously our fathers and like other big sports figures, like our sports coaches, like this guy preached hard work. He preached like, again, things are going to go wrong, but how do you handle that? Like, you're going to get kicked in the teeth. Like you're going to fall down. You're going to lose games. What do you do when that happens? Mm -hmm. Like what happens after that? Like, and that's helped me so much in life because dude, guess what? I've been getting kicked in the teeth in, in life since basketball has been way over for me. But I always go back to that, like, hey, usually success, like the success that you're going to see is after this really tough stuff. So get up, like do what you need to do and go forward because that's where, that's how you really handle adversity and that's how you're going to be successful. So Daryl Jarvis, man, just like huge, like that guy, I would, I would run through a door for that guy right now. Like if you call me, I'd be like, dude, what do you need? Yeah. And he's still coaching. You better send him this episode. Oh, definitely. Like. And it, and then I also mentioned like Ricky Bot and I, our head coach as well. Like those two guys, like the you, they were, they were just phenomenal. Yeah, 
I mean, you could probably go you on. Needed. You can go on a saga of like a good high school coach sure. for you as well. So I mean, those guys play a huge role. Mm-hmm. Like never underestimate the role of a coach. I mean, right. it it really lays that foundational work. I mean, and if you're around good guys, then you're you're gonna your sons are fine. Like you'll you'll be great mm-hmm. with good kids. When you just have to realize it doesn't have to be you to yeah, be the one yeah. that in, impacts your kids' life. So absolutely. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about is in modern sports, modern youth sports in particular, there's a huge movement to really start to specialize in a certain sport at a young age. And they, uh, you know, kids join club teams and they play year round on things. I know that you've got very specific viewpoints on that, uh, viewpoints that I actually share. I just wanted to let you kind of riff on that a little bit. Sure. Uh, plainly, I hate it. <laughs> All right, um, moving on to the next subject. <laughs> next question. Why um, do you hate it? What's um, what's the problem with that? One, I think specialization is more of a parent's choice than the kid's choice. I think a parent has this dream of seeing their child succeed in a certain way. Now, that is not every situation. Sometimes the kids are asking for it, and I think as parents with a little bit more wisdom, we need to have the courage to say no to that mm. um, because they need to be well-rounded. Um, and when you isolate yourself to any one discipline, especially athletically, um, I happen to believe, and I think you're seeing younger athletes stepping into the professional ranks, getting injured really early. And I think it's because they're not giving their bodies the opportunity to rest. So take baseball. I come from the baseball. There's a lot of guys getting Tommy John really young, 16, really 17, young. 18. Yeah. And if I could point to one thing that's changed in the last 30 years is the proliferation of year round single sport kids playing. So when I was growing up, you played in the spring, you played through little league season. Maybe if you're lucky, you got on the all-star team. Maybe you played through the summer if you were very successful. And then when the last out was made, whether you won the championship or you lost, you went into the off season and you didn't pick a baseball up again for four months because you were busy playing basketball or you moved on to wrestling or whatever sport that you decided to do or, or just any other activities. So for me in, in high school, I went from football and then I took the season off and I just w- went to the weight room in the winter because I wasn't a basketball guy. And then I came back out in the spring for baseball. And I think that's very beneficial to the human body. I think that's why CrossFit's so a, a very compelling um, exercise uh, program is I think it's, it's, it's about tackling your weaknesses and being strong across multiple disciplines. Um, but there's no really off season for CrossFit athletes, but keep going. No, no, no. <laughs> but what, but inside of training, oh, yeah. you're not, it, it would be the equivalent of what's your favorite workout, Riley? 20.5. Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So it would be the equivalent of doing 20.5, three days on, take your day off three mm-hmm. days on, take your day off three days. Well, eventually you're going to wear your body out. Oh yeah. And so if, as a young athlete, if you're, if you're pitching because you show propensity at the age of seven, give me a break, <laughs> give me a break. Right. Yeah. Like, but it happens. And parents are like, Oh my gosh, they've got this skill set and this gift and we've got to pour into it. We got to develop it. If we're not careful, we'll break that. And, um, I won't get into my beliefs about cre- being created uniquely, but there is a lot to be said about, you got so many bullets in your arm. Don't waste them when you can't get paid for it. Mm. Right. Train your body, get it ready, because really middle school, uh, Team USA isn't probably recruiting too much from the middle school ranks. High school, okay, now we can start talking about it, but even then, some of the greatest athletes you see today playing professional sports, they didn't specialize at all. Well, Kyler Murray is a Kyler example. Kyler Murray is the oh. prime example. 
Well, I was going to go back a little Whew. bit and say Bo Jackson. Right. Bo Old school. Or, or Old even school. Um, Dion. Dion. Didn't Michael Jordan play some baseball too? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, was it? He played for Auburn. Uh, oh, Bo Frank ja- Thomas? It, no, it was Bo Jackson. Yeah, that's yeah, Bo. Yeah, Bo, you don't know Bo, Bo yeah. did, but so did Bo Frank did Thomas. Both, yeah. Yeah, and Frank Thomas was a football player and baseball player. I mean, you'll see guys in the NFL that played uh, college basketball. Like, I mean, if yep. you got it, you got it. That's right. Like, my, my brother is on that in his final year of football. I think he's finishing up his games now. But sure. I always told him, like, dude, they're they're going to find you. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are if you have what it takes to be, play on that next level, they'll find you. Trust me. Yeah. They'll find you. You don't have to, like, like they're sure. going to find you. Didn't, yeah, didn't he sign for baseball or did he sign for a football? No, he's, he well, he hasn't signed, but he's also rec- he's receiving offers now. So he's going to sure. have to... Make for a football decision or for good. baseball? Football, football. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baseball. He's a big old boy yeah. now. But yeah, last time I saw him when I went home, he's way bigger than me. Like you know? a bag of hammers. <laughs> oh yeah, big bag of hammers, that kid. But <laughs> yeah, but he he grew up, I mean, my little brother didn't specialize at all, like which right. which was which was great for his development. Yep. Maybe the last like nine months, like, okay, mm-hmm. we're not going to play basketball anymore. Let's kind of dig into football a little bit sure. more. And I mean, he's going to play the next level somewhere. Yeah. I, and I think parents are a little nervous because of specialization. So they almost feel like their hands being forced. Like if I really want, like you had mentioned taking the year off of baseball, feeling like you fell behind. Mm-hmm. Um, personal experience for me, it just hasn't been that way. Um, I had a brother who uh, he was, he, he played football. He was a phenomenal quarterback in high school. Um, was getting letters from Florida State and Alabama his, so- his oh, sophomore year. Yeah, we got a Gators fan here. Yeah, that's careful. fine. That's fine. He didn't like, sign with them, did he? No, no, okay, no. They just God. lost to Georgia this past week. Yeah, just exactly. So know. Right. Oh, sorry. We were beating Vandy forty nine to nothing. You know, Priscilla's listening. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Priscilla Tom. There we go. Right. Um, and his senior year playing quarterback. I mean, he's he's literally just waiting to sign to go play quarterback somewhere, and on a freak play tears the ligaments in his throwing hand breaks his thumb and of course colleges are making money with these athletes so all the offers come off the table because they're not even sure what can happen he literally is in a cast for the rest of the year just switches and starts playing defense because a lot of them use it as a club (laughs) and and as the starting safety never played defense before so to your point athletes tend to rise the cream rises to the top and he got to he had played baseball but he never focused on it until his senior year he was like all right i, I mean football they took away my i think you know honestly i think he was a little ticked about it you know mm-hmm. so he went after baseball that year um he plays one year and gets a scholarship to <laughs> that's amazing um i mean he had played but it like took it serious that year two years in he got drafted four years in he got drafted in the ninth round Wow. And that was, he didn't specialize until he was in college. And then he went from a guy who didn't even want to play baseball three years earlier to being drafted by the Astros in so, the ninth round. So here's a, a conversation. Do you think your brother had that in him, like genetically, like genetically gifted that it didn't matter whatever, like he could have played basketball or football, track, tennis, like he had that in him regardless? Or do you think the skill sets he developed through time nature kind of nature versus nurture like sure do you I, think that that what played a role do you think both and yeah you know that's i, mean, I would say that both and he's he's a, he, he looks different than me he's six two <laughs> he's different he's six two two hundred i'm five ten and not so <laughs> um he he had that look that you know the scouts look for yeah. but at the same time he had a skill set yeah and, and he then kind of got serious about developing it 
Yeah. That's why I want Brent to come into the gym because if he gets addicted to CrossFit, that guy is going <laughs> to light it up. Well, I, I mean, a competitor's mindset or an athlete's mindset, this is like the, the methadone to that sports world, oh, which yeah. like all of our retired athletes now, like find a competitive kind of thing through yeah. CrossFit. But so how do you develop, how do you develop a killer mindset like that? So that, that's one thing I've always had a hard time with. I've never been super hard edge aggressive on anything. And I, it just shows in my life mm-hmm. in sports whether I'm doing CrossFit or even in, in work. Like, I'm not out to kill the competition necessarily. Uh, Can you even develop that, or is it just my nature to be kind of like, eh? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. man it, it's, it's hard because I, I just, I don't know. I feel I, like I'm always the nice guy, and it's I can, in CrossFit or whatever. Sure. I, I can point to a moment uh, for me in, I, I, in football. Uh, when I was playing between my freshman and sophomore years that I had always, I was, I was small. Like I was not a big guy. I played, I was kind of like the slot receivers you see today, just short guy, quick. I could sure get handed. open. I was very sure handed cause I, I played middle infield so I could catch stuff. And so that's what I was doing. And I really wanted to stay out of the middle. <laughs> yeah, I had no problem running the route over it. I just didn't want to bear the burden of the route. If you know, somebody your size came and laid me out. Um, and so there was, I always played with a little, uh, I would say timidity and one practice, I caught a pass out in the flats. I made a couple moves cause I thought I was fast and there was a fast defensive lineman who read, mm. read the play and just sprinted at me. And I remember spinning and his f- face mask met my face mask as he hit me and he weighed about 280 and he was a beast and he drove me into the ground Oof. laughing the whole time, like <laughs> laughing in my face mask as yeah. he was destroying evil me. cackle as you go down. Yeah. And I mean, it hurt, it hurt, but it didn't injure me. Mm. And I remember in that moment going, okay, maybe these pads protect you after all. And it just changed my mindset. And I started kind of throwing myself around a little bit more recklessly. Mm, wow. And uh, praise See, God, I didn't I have get a hurt, story but. like that, but it's a complete opposite. Like I got, I'm playing middle school football, never played football growing yeah. up, never anything. So try out for the team, make it like had pretty good, like athleticism, you could say. Uh, and then we get the pads on and I'm like, okay, all right, this is real. So I take yeah. a couple of hits and we, I'm on kickoff, seventh grade year. Oof. We nail one deep and I'm like, I'm not even looking at the ball. I have no idea where it is. Find the guy with the ball. I'm like, okay, I'm going to tackle this guy. And I'm just like laser tunnel Zoned vision. Yep. Someone comes and just decletes me. Like right. I'm not even looking at my feet. Like they hit me from the side and my feet go over my head. Like I didn't even see him coming. And I yeah. like get up and I like start like walking towards the wrong sideline. Like, mm-hmm. and that, that showed me that like, Oh, this shit is real. Like mm-hmm. they, they can hurt me. Like, yeah. and and after that, like, ne- like I, I went the opposite way. Okay, I was like, like that shit hurt. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that was that was scary because yeah. like you didn't even know it and yeah. never played football after that. Yeah, I, and I couldn't because I had I had a very similar situation where a guy hit me and he hit me so hard. I I never saw him. It was on a punt, so yeah. very similar uh, circumstances. That's, yeah, that's Never the worst saw. thing you can do. Uh, it was in practice. A really good friend of mine, and he did the same thing. He was laughing the whole way because I went flying. Like, he off the ground, and it broke my hand. That's how hard he hit me. And um, Mine just broke my brain. Right. <laughs> but what was so funny about it is, like, it, it's probably a bigger, deeper conversation, but I think sometimes we feel like that if we, like, that, that saying, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Right. And I think sometimes people think that if something hurts me, it's bad for me versus, you know, you go in the CrossFit gym, I'm willing to bet almost everything you do hurts a little bit. 
and the people who are willing to push, push, they're, they're going to see the greatest advances. Mm. And um, I think in life right now, even in conversation, people don't like things that hurt because we view each other as weak and fragile. And I think we're the exact opposite. Oh, yeah. I think we, we're designed to be strong and anti-fragile. Uh, if that's even a thing, but <laughs> the fact that you can push against people and work against and have conversations where we may disagree, but it's not hurting you to hear that perspective. Yeah. We can actually gain a fuller perspective. Might poke your ego a little bit. Oh, of course. But my, my, I had one of my buddies on a couple of episodes ago and he said, he's a physical therapist and he's like, the worst thing people can think is that, that we're fragile. Mm -hmm. Like you are not fragile. Like you oh, are no. like the human body has been, is tested yeah. and tested and sure. tested. Like you are not fragile. So like, don't be afraid to do the things that like will get you hurt. Like right. your body's pretty resilient. It is. So, I mean, that was, yeah, that's pretty good. Cool. Is there anything, any other topic you wanted that you were How do you feel in? about kids with uh, tackle football? In terms of like with concussions, like, do you want to sure. like? I mean, do you think it's a? Do you think they should rule out tackle before high school? Like, because that's that's a thing too. I mean, so if there's a market for it, people are going to go get it, right? They're going to pay for it, and, and that's kind of proven itself out right now. I think there's probably a lot less tackle football happening at younger ages because I mean, you don't want to argue with the fact that running into people at high rates of speed is not good for the brain. It's now proven. Hard and, to argue with. Right. And in the same way, um, anybody who's played football, I would, I would imagine you can make the argument, I don't need to run into people full speed to develop the skill sets necessary to play with pads later. Those guys at the top level will tell you yeah. that. Yeah. And so I think what's happening is a good move that in younger ages, they're just playing flag. Mm. Because you teach them the game, you, t you can still teach blocking, you can teach all those kinds of things. You can teach them the skill set of throwing and catching a football defenses offenses but you're just saving the kids from the wear and tear yeah. and i think that's a smart if if, if I, i'm not anti-tackle i just think it's smart um, and it's wise to limit that for kind of as long as you can well it's like you said you only have so many bullets yes, in your yes, arm yeah, you only right. have so many bullets in your brain before you're exactly. done and i think there's way less bullets in your brain than bullets oh, in your arm absolutely well, that sounds kind of bad bullets yeah. in your brain. That's kind yeah. of bad. Maybe not say it's that. Different. It's a metaphor. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that, uh, yeah, I think that we'll, we'll, we'll eventually get away from tackle football. I mean, even the guys that have been through it that are dealing with those issues are like, yeah, I wouldn't, I didn't, wouldn't want my son to play tackle football. Like right. if that's not all the data you need, like, I mean, it did create this lifestyle for them. They're millionaires. Like to them, the juice was worth the squeeze. Right. And at the end of the day, if those guys are willing to sign up to run at each other as fast as you can and get paid millions of dollars, right. that's on you, bro. Like, right. I mean, we know it's bad. You've got enough mm -hmm. data out there to say, hey, this sure. is not good for us. But if you think it's worth it, then it's on, like, it's in personal. Yeah, the only way that's going to stop that is if somehow, some way, money stops flowing. Dude, that as long happening. as there's that much money. It's, it's the same argument when it comes to... Uh, uh, cheating in sports. There's yeah. so much financial gain to be successful in sports that people will always cheat. Like you, you cannot eradicate. All you can do is provide consequences to limit people's, if it's going to cost me to cheat, yeah. then I won't maybe do it. What's your thoughts on performance enhancing drugs in sports? For the sake of, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I certainly, so here's what I would say. I'd say if I think me and Brent are going to start our own yeah. podcast. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so, so major league baseball implemented a really great, um, drug program. It's been a while now. 
But before that, they had a real problem, right? N- oh, yeah. Not a problem that viewership had because exactly. everybody we enjoyed loved it. Dude. I want to see Mark Maguire, oh, Maguire, Canseco, Sosa, right. like all those guys. Even, right. I hate to say it, my my childhood hero, David Ortiz, like he got caught up in a little bit oh. of that. I'm, I'm telling. Well, and I'll be very careful here because I don't want to be offensive to folks. But basically what's happening is they are they have created a very um, good policy to try to uh, eliminate, eliminate it as much as they can. They'll never eradicate it. But they've basically said the penalties are severe. You know, once, 80 games. Twice, full season. Third time, you're done. Yeah. And we've seen it play out. They, they've done more than say, hey, you know, we, you know d- pass interference is reviewable. We're never going to change the call, though. Right. They've said, no, if you do this, you're suspended. And they suspended major names in sports. Like oh, yeah. Some of the best players in the league have gotten caught. Even they're even like popping them for like things like Adderall and like sure. things like that. Like if yeah. it's not on this list, which I appreciate yeah. baseball for that reason, they don't yeah. play around. Well, and, and it's funny. You guys remember when like blog posts were like things back, yeah, way back in the day? I, I remember writing one. Some people was, love blogs. Yeah, so. it was a long time ago. <laughs> It'll be podcasts one of these days. <laughs> yeah, remember exactly. podcasts yeah. back in the day? Uh, there was a situation in the NFL where there was a guy who had been busted four times for roiding up. Yeah. And taking it out on people, right? And every time he got caught, he got the same punishment. Four games, he was still getting paid. And I, <laughs> and I was just making the statement how strange in that post, like how strange it is that baseball was still had the black eye and people are still railing on their policy, yet they have real consequences. Yeah. People had been kicked out of the game for cheating. And yet this guy who was a proven cheater just gets the same punishment every yeah. time. And it's not really it's paid vacation. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, exactly. It's a month off every time. And he, yeah, well, I had a, I had a really good experience with a high level, like CrossFit guy in a, and he did like an athlete camp and went to his, his, his camp. And the guy looked at all of us and said, it was like, if you don't think that there's, uh, drugs in this sport, you're oh. crazy. Do you, if you don't think there's drugs in every sport, you're crazy. There is someone's job to make sure that this person doesn't get popped. Right. They change the molecule just a little bit. So they pass a drug test and you even have people getting in trouble now. Like I hate to throw Phoenix sports under the bus, but they've had two major players get right. popped for trying to mask it. So like Aiden, the sorry, dude, Patrick I love, Peterson, Patrick Shame Peterson. Yes. He no. got caught with the blocker and then Aiden right here. Now he's tested positive for a diuretic, which, which is like signs of saying you're trying to cover something up. Like, mm-hmm. like even like, and the NBA sure. is super lax on their policy, mm-hmm. football super lax on their policy. But like, they're now we're getting caught trying to cover it up, which is sure. like, what in the hell is going on? Right. Well, in the crazy part, like when you, I'm not saying anyone's guilty, but this is the information that sure. we have. And when you zoom out, right, football is the one where lit- legitimately, if you take advantage of something that's illegal to get bigger and stronger and faster, you can legitimately harm someone because mm-hmm. you're running your body into them. Baseball you're either hitting the ball or you're not. And like it's, it's basketball. It's, no it, one knows why Deandre Aiden was right, taking right. The, on the sauce. Um, you're already but, a giant bro. Chill. Yeah. And every, I mean, I mean, you guys know this, there's plenty of uh, legal safe ways. Go to GNC. They'll, yeah. they'll get you bigger in a month. Creatine um, baby. <laughs> I was a, a white bread and ice water. Like that always gets people real big. Apparently <laughs> I'm kidding. It's steroids. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll never forget this story when I was a kid. I'm working at a, like a leisure center or like a YMCA and this guy comes in and he's like a bag full of hammers, big guy. I mean, and I was a small kid at the time and I like asked him like, hey man, how'd you get so big? He looks at me with all the seriousness in his eyes. He says, <laughs> ice water and white bread. Then just walks through the door of the gym and I'm like, 
Holy cow. How much ice water do I have to drink to look like that guy? That's good. That's one of my favorite gym stories of all time. You were so innocent back then. This guy was roided to the gills, like sweating it out. But he said ice water and white bread and just went off. That's awesome. That's amazing. I like that. Yeah. I just don't think that there's ever going to be a time where people aren't Uh, cheating. Not not when there's money on the line. I mean. In millions. Right. That can change like. Well, and and I think. Everything. To zoom out, like you said, not to offend anybody, but. Uh, no, we can offend people. It's cool. We like <laughs> in, the ones that offend people obviously get the most listens. <laughs> so right. that's so, I can offend them up. Let's there do you it. go. So in, in America, we, we don't quite understand what's going on sometimes around the rest of the world. Like there's legitimate incentive, uh, in certain parts of the world. Soccer. To what? Get, <laughs> huh? Well, I, even just baseball to get out of the lifestyle you're in. Sure. And if you get spotted at seven, eight years old and you've got a, a good arm and a guy says, hey, come join my little baseball academy. And now you're here full time. You're not in school. We're just doing baseball. We'll teach you a little bit on the side. And oh, here's some vitamins and things that are going to help you get bigger and stronger. <laughs> vitamins. There's a reason why these guys at 14, 15, 16 year old look like full grown men. Right. Um, because it's a, a, a bit of a program that they've got going. And if they think, I mean, they just, they've gotten good to your point, Riley. They've gotten good at when they come over, having the right people in place oh, yeah. to help them pass tests. Um, which puts, which puts people at a disadvantage if, if you're being tested in high school, tested in college. And so, but it also gives you reason now to do it too. If you know it's happening. Well, if you want to even playing field, man, it's it's just, it's it's crazy. And I I even think that that's happening at a high school level. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's happening even in high schools, but this is a, I think we could, we should bring Brent back, man. There were so many good conversations. I told you you'd enjoy him. Now we're talking sports talk, which is something I really enjoy. Come with us on our, our our, uh, monthly coffee meetings. Yeah. All right, Brent, we usually like to end these episodes with like something like words of wisdom or like a mantra, a quote. We, we hit some really big topics, but like, let's hear like something that you think people need to hear. Not to put you on the spot. Maybe yeah. from a coaching standpoint or a parenting standpoint or whatever you see fit or like something you're struggling with right now, whatever yeah. it comes to you. I mean, what I would say is I'd go back to our conversation because so many, um, I assume too, your listeners, so many, mm-hmm. so many of these parents have children in sports. Um, I, I would encourage you uh, to, to be mindful of how you behave and, and really how you treat not just their coaches, not just what you say in front of them, but what you say in your home. They're listening and they hear you. And uh, these authority figures, they're going to they're gonna take that into their adult life too. Uh, watch how you treat those umpires and those officials. Mm. Uh, if you want to yell at them too bad, why don't you put on the stripes and give it a shot? It's not as easy as it looks. So. Yeah, and the people that <laughs> serve you your food. I love that. Oh, yeah. Like people that, Absolutely. I mean, clean the toilets. People that give you your fries at McDonald's. Like yep. their kid, your kids are watching. Yeah. It's amazing, it, it is amazing, uh, Riley. One of the things you missed on with the yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. We're teaching our kids. And when I share that with people who are younger than me, I'm not as young as I used to be. And it's amazing the level of offense that's out there. Like respect can be given. Yes, it needs to be earned and we should live in a way that it's earned, but you can give it away too. And if somebody gives you respect, just receive it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a gift they're trying to give you yeah. Dude, and allow like, it to happen. I've experienced so much pushback out here on the mm-hmm. West Coast from saying yes, sir, no, Absolutely. sir, or no, ma'am. Like, don't call me, ma'am. It makes I'm me like, feel old. I'm or like, Mr. or Mrs. somebody. Yeah, exactly. yeah like I am. Dude, to this day, if I don't say ma'am to my mom, she'll pop me right in the chin. Like she's like, she's <laughs> yeah. like, dude, 
tighten up. Right. <laughs> You've been out here on the West Coast with all these hippie exactly. dippy people. You better call me ma'am. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, Brent, yeah, we appreciate you being on the show. I'm glad we finally got you on. And, you know, we may have to have a return have a of the Brent. There you go. Return. <laughs> we, we may have to have a return sometime. For sure, man. Well, thank, thank you so you guys. much. I appreciate it.